Playoff time is when things start getting serious on the court. Players are more driven than ever to win these big games and keep advancing. Goodyear knows all about being more driven, too. Working hard to help you advance on and off the road. Let Goodyear.com help you choose what's best. morning everybody this is the hoop collective and we we thought we were going to start out in cleveland right because that's where all the drama is that's where lebron's being asked about Ty Lue, and they keep losing and oh my goodness but something is going down in san antonio so we got a special hoop collective we got michael wright covers the spurs for us and just dropped a hot one with adrian wojnarowski about the spurs relationship with Kawhi leonard and we're bringing in a guy who knows who's Basic existence is covering a hot one. Ohm Young, we sick. Of course, the Lakers <laughs> and the, the Lonzo Ball, LeVar Ball Circus on a daily basis. Uh, here on a Monday, Cassidy's off being a big old star. And Shanae is getting back to the WNBA. So we got we got the two beat guys here with me today, Ramona Shelburne on the Hoop Collective. What's going on, boys? Oh, busy morning. Busy morning. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little busy. Just a little busy. So, yeah. so, Mike, so Mike, look, I, I can read the story. But you wrote it, so so summarize it for me. Well, I guess basically, you know, with this whole quadriceps tendinopathy rehab for Kawhi Leonard, there's just a lot of frustration on both sides. And, you know, one thing that I did not mention in the story is that really this is nobody's fault. This is just one of those situations, like I said, both sides are frustrated. The Spurs want the best guy on the court with, with his teammates, and Kawhi wants to be on the floor with his teammates, and the rehab just has not gone how they expected it to go. They thought this was a thing that would be over in a week or two, and it stretched throughout this whole season. And that's just that's the source of the tension between those sides. It's just, ultimately, they just want him to play. I think my question then is, does he want to play? Because, I mean, the Kawhi I know – is an incredibly competitive guy. Like, you know, I I, I feel like it would take a lot for him to sit out. And that's what's, that's what's interesting for me about this whole story is I think the words that you guys used was multiple sources describe Leonard and his camp as quote, distant and disconnected from the organization. Absolutely. And when we say that, and that, you know, I need to explain that here too. You guys have all been around Kawhi Leonard. Yep. And it's a challenge to get him to string five words together. Mm-hmm. And so so he's not a very communicative <laughs> guy. You know, he's not a guy that is going to express his feelings to the Spurs. And that's part of the frustration. You know, Kawhi is just a quiet guy. And so it takes a lot for them to get anything out of him. Hey, Kawhi, how are you feeling? You know, he's going to say, oh, I'm OK. You know, and then but but it's a situation where Kawhi, like you said, he's the ultimate competitor. All he wants to do is play basketball. He doesn't even want to do all the, the, the extra things that come with the sport. You know, he just wants to play. And again, that's the frustration for him and for the Spurs because they just can't get this thing right. And, you know, the interesting thing to me is the Spurs have they've consulted the best tendon experts in the world to do this. And they did it with Tony Parker with his whole situation. And the thing is, is that Tony's responded perfectly. And Kawhi's just ha- hasn't. And so, you know, there's, 
you know, there, there seems to be a little bit of a communications gap between both sides here. Yeah, but the, the word y'all used was pretty, you know, it was pretty strong. Months of discord centering right. on elements of treatment, rehabilitation, and timetables for return from the injury. That sounds to me like there's a disagreement over whether or not this thing is being handled the right way, is could potentially get worse if he comes back and doesn't feel the right way. I right. mean, months of discord. I mean, who, who, who is objecting to this? Who, 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 is, who has the discord? Okay, this is the thing. Again, like I was saying, they mm-hmm. consulted with the top tendon experts in the world. But right. the rehab, the rehab is not going how they expected it to. Okay. So on Kawhi's side, it's you know, hey, you know, we trusted you to get this thing, you know, knocked out of the way so I can play, but it's not happening. And so from the Spurs side, there, you know, it's kind of like you know, hey, you can consult outside if you want to, and I think that's some of what's going on. So there's you know, competing, not competing interests, but you know, there's you know, they're they're just trying to get this thing right, and it, but both sides are sort of kind of at their wits end and that's where the discord is is it possible that this is has to do a little bit with maybe the spurs way of how they handle things and how they're super secretive about you know rehabs and things like that i mean we're kind of seeing i've heard rumblings with with the brooklyn nets for example who obviously follow the spurs way with sean marks as their gm running everything up there that jeremy lynn had had obviously issues with the rehab there and how they handled his hamstring injury in the past and You've kind of seen that happen where both of them apparently agreed to uh, send Jeremy to Vancouver to basically go rehab his knee injury with a personal trainer and a health group out in Vancouver rather than staying with the team. So, like, I was wondering, is this perhaps like one player having an issue with maybe the Spurs way of handling things? Yes, that's definitely what it is. because, And it's not so much that he has an issue with the Spurs way of handling things. It's just the fact that it hasn't healed properly the way he wants it to. That's where the issue is. And so, you know, like I said, the Spurs have said that, you know, Hey, you're, you're fine to go outside. If you feel that's what's going, you know, to, to get you to the point to where you can play again. But, you know, again, the Spurs have a 20 year track record of doing these things, right? Pop has mm-hmm. a reputation for saying, Hey, you know, everything we do, with regards to rehab will be in the best interest of the player long term. You know, he, he protects his guys and he's yeah. done that for 20 years. And so the Spurs way has worked. I mean, look at Tony Parker, look at Tim mm-hmm. Duncan, how long he was able to play. So Manu Ginobili, you know, he's ageless. And so what they do apparently works, but it is not working in this case. How bad is it between these two sides? Is it, is it to the point where they cannot repair it or, and, and maybe some other teams need to start, putting in calls to the Spurs if, if it hasn't happened already? No, 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 no. Um, and I hope that our story, I hope it, that's not the what people would think from reading the story. Um, you know, like I said, they've got a 20-year track record of doing this. Mm-hmm. You know, and so the Spurs, they, they, they handle things the right way. And I think that this is, a, a, again, a situation where Kawhi just does not communicate very well. I mean, he's just a quiet guy. And they've just got to come together and figure out the best way to tackle this issue. I, I think I, I think this is a situation that will fix itself. I really do. Well, I, I, to me, there's two, there's two things that jump off the page. Okay, um, one one is that you know Kawhi doesn't communicate very well. Well, you have people who can communicate for you, and that's usually your agent, right? That's usually whoever's representing you. Kawhi used to be represented by one agent. Now he's represented by another agent. 
Um, and then the other side of it, you know, I, I don't know what the communication has been like on that end. Um, but clearly, if you know, if Kawhi is not seen as communicating well, that also reflects on whoever is representing him. And you wonder about the motivations there. Is that just, you know, a, a, a way of being, a style, uh, whatever it is, or is there something behind it? Um, on the, the other thing that jumps off the page is this, you know, the, he, if this thing is not healing, it's also potentially could get worse, right? Like if you don't know how to fix it, if you're not, if it's not getting better, could it also get worse if he comes back? And that's where, to me, there's trust issues. If you don't feel like they know how to fix it, then how do you, do you feel confident they know how to keep it from getting worse? Right. Um, and, and I'm not a doctor. Okay. But some of them, so, you know, we're forced to sort of play one on TV, right? Um, <laughs> because we have to, I mean, Mike, you pronounce tendinopathy very well. I mean, I, I was, you had to report <laughs> oh, about talking, this, yeah, spell all about summer. it, <laughs> spell it all summer. Like, how do you, how do you, how do you, how do you pronounce it? Tendinopathy? What is Tendinopathy. it? Tendinopathy. Tendinopathy. And, and what is it again, Mike? <laughs> it, you know, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a strange condition. It's a, it's an overuse injury slash tendon disease almost. Oh. And, and yeah, and, and one of the, the, the key ingredients to rehabbing that is rest. And that, that's where that's where it gets sort of dicey here, because, you know, you can rest, 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 rest. But then when you come back, you're not in in physical peak, physical conditioning to play. And also when you rest, rest, resting, you're losing the strength in that quadriceps. And I think that's mm-hmm. one of the big issues right now. As a matter of fact, Pop even said it that that quad is just not strong enough in Kawhi's mind right now to where he feels confident that he can go out there and beat Kawhi Leonard. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've learned way too much about tendinopathy. And, you know, it's not it's not one of those things that can be fixed by surgery. It's rest. And, and how did this how did this start? This is I mean, the, the injury in the playoffs was different. That, the, this is right. the Patulia injury. Right. I mean, <clears throat> right. Right. It was the, it, there, there was an ankle in the playoffs. And, you know, that's been hard to nail down. You know, Popovich said that it was something that that sort of, you know, crept up last season. It's an injury mm-hmm. from last season. And I guess, you know, they, he kept playing on it and it just got worse. Just, it just got worse. And throughout the summer, and I don't know if you guys know how Kawhi Leonard trains in the summer. I mean, sometimes he goes three times. Yeah. Okay. That day. And again, tendinopathy is an overuse, chronic overuse injury. And so, you know, a lot of Kawhi's work habits, you know, that those have helped to cause this thing. You know, he just worked so hard. Do you think Kawhi will be back this season or be back in the playoffs? Yeah. I, you know what? As a matter of fact, I see him coming back right after the All-Star break, to be honest with you. Mm. And, you know, it's just, you know, I, I think that, that you know, they've they've tried so hard to, to, you know, handle this as quietly as possible and in the Spurs way. But the thing is, is that there have been a couple of setbacks along the way. And then at some point, you know, as we say in the story, you know, they're, they're, it, the, the, that frustration sets in and it, it sets in for both sides of this thing. And, you know, I, I think that that this whole this last announcement that they were going to sit him indefinitely. I think this is just a, a situation where it's a reboot. OK, let's reboot. Let's start over. Mm-hmm. Let's go back. Let's go back to rehabbing. And then, you know, let's wait a couple of weeks and then see if you're ready to come back. I, I, I got to ask both of you guys, because, you know, we were just, you know, Pop was just in L.A. Uh, recently. I saw yep. you, Mike. Ramona was there. 
And, and Pop is, you know, in my estimation and on a lot of people's, he's the best coach in the NBA, hands down. But it, it feels like Pop has gone through quite a bit recently. You know, it, we, when we were talking to him, he had kind of admitted about his relationship with LaMarcus Aldridge Ooh, and how LaMarcus yeah. had come to him and asked for trade. And and he had kind of revealed, you know, talked about this from his standpoint, saying that it was really kind of the first time that he thought – well, maybe this is really on me that I need to work on my relationship with LaMarcus and I need to stop making him kind of play a certain way and let him be him. And to me, it seemed like an admission from the best coach in the NBA. Like I can still be better. I can still improve. I still need to work on things. And now you kind of got this situation come up where his star player is now distant from the organization. What what, what do you think this kind of says about pop? Oh, not not nothing way, bad, oh, but and- like, what Pop's and, going through, you know? And by the way, and not to mention, we haven't even talked about Tony Parker, who yeah. <laughs> apparently apparently is no longer the guy in San Antonio. That just made me feel really old, by the way. When I saw your report last night, Mike, that Tony's no longer going to be the starting point guard in San Antonio, I was like, oh, man. Like, I remember I remember when he was like the, you know, the, the original French prince, right? Like, you know, yeah. that's well, such a nice... You know? <laughs> it, it, seems like Pop, it seems like Pop has, a lot, has had a lot on his hands recently, right, Mike? No, you know what? I would say, yeah, that's true when you say recently because, you know, the Spurs typically have, have, have you know, their players have been homegrown, people they've drafted yep. and, and cultivated throughout the years. But, you know, this isn't the first time that Pop has had to had to just sort of, you know, just kind of look within himself and say, OK, is is it me? Because we can go, we can go all the way back to Manu Ginobili. When mm-hmm. Ginobili first came to San Antonio, Pop was not down with the way Manu played. Yep. He and Manu had a conversation. Manu said, just let me be me. And yep. that's what he did. And so Pop has, you know, he's a coach that has continuously evolved throughout the years. And that's what makes him the best coach in the NBA is the fact that he he's confident enough in himself to, to say, hey, I don't have all the, all the right answers all the time. You know, he can admit that, hey, it, it's just me. And with LaMarcus Aldridge, you know, that was a situation where LaMarcus was was sort of at his wit's end. I, I talked to him and I actually have a story coming out. I have no idea when, but I had talked to him and, you know, he was telling me that, you know, I went in there and said, hey, I can't be I can't be what you want me to be. Like like Pop was trying to make him Jack Sigma, Goldilocks. He's trying to make him that guy. And he was like, I, I can't do it. So, you know, why don't you guys go out and get the guy that you feel like can do it and you can just trade me wherever, you know, it doesn't matter. But, you know, Pop sat down and was like, no, let's just figure this thing out. And that's what they did. And, you know, I think that that is what's going to happen with Kawhi Leonard. And the hardest part, the the big challenge for Pop is, you know, how does he reach Kawhi Leonard? Because Kawhi is such a quiet guy. He's so distant. He's distant from everybody. And, you know, he's got to figure out what that common thread is between them to where they can can, can kind of come together and communicate better. So let's talk about the Spurs way, Mike, because I think, you know, we talk about the Patriots way. I mean, there's that incredible clip of Bill Pelichek last night, you know, when he was asked about Tom Brady. You know, you talk about his effort playing through this, like, cut on his hand. I mean, didn't it have, like, 12 stitches or something? <laughs> like, that's yeah, not, it was 12. That's not nothing. And like, and you know, Belichick was just not going to even indulge in this at all. And says, I mean, it's not like he went through open heart surgery, you know. <laughs> like, right. You know, that was my that's a terrible Bill Belichick impression, but but that was the the tone in his voice. 
And I think the Spurs way is very different from the Patriots way in that the, the Spurs way to me is, you know, everybody, we're all going to be better together. So the Spurs way has, has, feels somewhat militaristic to me, like in the, they're all in this platoon. And whenever, whenever things go poorly, Pop usually just takes everybody out to dinner and they drink a bunch of wine and everything's better, right? Like after the finals, like, that's what they, the, the, you know, remember them, you know, the game six in Miami, what they do after that game, they didn't sit around and feel terrible. They went out to dinner. Right. Right. Like, right. You know, and, and what you're describing with him and Aldridge is just sort of like, you know, whenever, you know, for months and months and months, there'll be like a sort of a, you know, he'll, he'll, he'll be, it'll be tough love. Right. But when it gets to the point where he realizes tough love isn't working, like they just go out to dinner. I mean, it sounds yep. like, you know, it sounds like that's what he and Aldridge did all year. I, I'm starting to feel like, you know, the, there's going to be a really expensive bottle of, of red coming out and he and, he and Kawhi are going to hash this out like that. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, definitely, definitely. <laughs> you know what? And, and with pop, it's a very, very scientific thing. A lot of people don't know yeah. this. I've, I've talked to people. It's a scientific thing. Mm-hmm. Like when pop goes to dinner, his ideal number is six people. Okay. Because, because if there's more than six, then people start to splinter off into different That's conversations. Right. It's true. I'm yeah, serious. Man. I'm serious. It's this true. is yes, this is a very scientific thing with Pop. And you know, you were mentioning the, the Patriots way. The funny thing is I was in the media room having, you know, the pregame dinner or whatever. Yeah. And uh R. C. Buford came up to me and I was like, oh crap, he's about to jump on me. Because we had been working on this whole Kawhi Leonard thing. <laughs> and so R. C. comes up to me and he was like Oh my gosh, Mike, did you see that game? You know, he's talking about the Patriots. <laughs> uh-huh. He was like, and the Patriots, I, like, I don't see how, like, how do they keep doing this? I said, you guys do the same thing. What yeah. are you talking about? And he just starts laughing. He's like, I don't know, man, but you know, that was just amazing. And it was just funny to see him in awe of what the Patriots do. Yeah. Cause, cause the Patriots don't have that, that, that fun and joy quality. Like that, I mean, there's stories like, you know, Tom with his receivers having like sort of receiver camp during the summer. That sounds like fun. You know, but it's not like, you know, it's not like with the the Spurs where there's like as much as there is an element of just, you know, hard nose. Everybody has a job. We make unemotional decisions. It's very militaristic and, you know, like when he has a moment to to compliment the greatest quarterback of all time for playing through it. An injury like that, he just diminishes it and just, (laughs) you know, whereas with the Spurs, like think how different Greg Popovich has handled these situations. I mean that that all that all starts with it's it's the difference between Popovich and Belichick. I mean they yeah, for sure. they both obviously have great respect for each other and they both yeah, are and you know the best at what they do. And- yes, but but I mean Popovich has a little more of a human quality at least at yeah. least to us in the public and you know as much as we talk about his his interviews you know on the court and things like that and how he can shut down interviews with reporters but he he still comes off a little more human than Belichick now behind the scenes. You know, the Patriots do like Belichick, but they also have some very, very stringent rules that they have to they have to abide by in that locker room. And that, you know, and in the NFL, obviously, you don't have, you know, guaranteed contracts. So, you know, you can lose your job at any point. So there is a certain fear factor there, a little more than probably what, you know, Popovich has with the Spurs. For sure. For sure. But, you know, what I think the big thing with Pop, though, is that it's all about, you know, Everybody getting to know one another outside of the what what goes on in on the court. Yeah, you know, like for instance, was it? I think it might have been the that Miami series where uh, Pop 
brought him into the film room and taught him about Marble Day in um, Australia. And, mm-hmm. you know, and Patty Mills is in there, you know, and and, you know, like he teaches them history things like they, he had uh, John Carlos come down, you know, for, and to talk about the Mexico Olympics in 1968. He brought him in before training camp to talk to all the guys about that. And so I, I remember a couple years ago, Pop took the guys to a screening with Spike Lee of Chirac. You know, hmm. so so the education extends beyond what happens on, on the court. And, you know, Pop has told me that he feels like that makes everybody feel accountable to one another. Because, mm-hmm. you know, if you know one another, you know each other's backgrounds and you like one another, then you're going to try to play that much harder for your teammates. And, that's, and it also and makes that, you want to sacrifice for each other. So, right, right. You know, when you see like some of the contracts that they've done over the years, you know, we famously talked about. You know, how they they ask their max guys to sacrifice so that they can have, you know, room for other people. They can have more, you know, salary cap room for other guys to fill out that roster. Like, it makes you want to do that because you're not just doing that for the organization. You're doing that for your team. You're doing that right. for your brothers. And it's not just the players. That's across the board. That's the mm-hmm. coaching staff. That's the scouts. That's the support people, the trainers. I mean, like, I, I, I once had a roster of their entire staff because I was working on a story about diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. And you, you ought to see the countries where all these people come from. I mean, they had one guy <laughs> oh, wow. on, they had one guy on the staff. Um, he had to leave because his visa expired. Oh, wow. I, seriously. And, and, but that's what they believe in, you know, just getting all these cultures from around the world together and trying to come together for one common goal. And that's, I think why they've been so successful. The other big topic with Kawhi with the Spurs right now is is Tony Parker and that sort of passing of the torch to, De, to De, I can't say his name Dejounte Murray. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, that's is that done? Is that is this it? Boy, <laughs> you know, Ooh. it was it, it was it was really weird because Tony was walking out and I ran him down. You know, he was walking down the like hall. Like physically I ran, I ran running, him down. like you like yeah, did you, did you yeah. pop a jog or did you like? Spray? Oh yeah, I, I was jogging. I was jogging. Okay. And I, 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 got, I got him. I got him. And it, <laughs> and it was just, for me, it, it was sort of sad, you know, just to yeah. ask him about it. And it was sad. It was sad to ask, but to see Parker's reaction. I mean, yeah. he was, he was upbeat. He was happy. Yeah. And, you know, like, if, if you guys have been around Tony, you, you know, he can be moody at times. Mm-hmm. Well, he was actually in a very good mood. And, you know, uh, in Sacramento a couple of weeks ago, I sat down with Tony. He wasn't playing. And we sat, you know, courtside for about 20 minutes talking. And he was telling me, you know, about how he wants to play 20 years in the NBA. Yeah, he wants to play a couple that, more years. Yeah, that that's his goal. And he realizes at this point that to play 20 years in the league, he's going to have to make a compromise and and do what's best for the team at this point. And I think at this point, the time is to pass that torch to, to DeJounte Murray. I mean, they drafted him 29th in 2016 as the heir apparent to Tony Parker. And I think now that time has come. Is he ready for that role? Is DeJounte ready? 
that's the big question in my mind at this point. And to be honest with you, he he has he has the right attitude. I mean, this is a guy that does not drink, doesn't smoke, does not party. You know, all he does is go. He goes to the gym and he studies film and he hits up his boy LeBron James and uh, Jamal uh, Crawford for advice about how to play this game. And so, you know, he's got the the right mindset, but you know, he's twenty one years old. And as as a 21-year-old in the NBA against the best athletes in the world, you're going to make mistakes. And so, you know, he's going to kind of have to smooth out his game. But, you know, right, you know, I mean, you're going to see great things from him, but you're going to see the mistakes a 21-year-old makes. And so, you know, I think if he takes on this role now and, you know, kind of takes it throughout the whole regular season, I think – at the end of the regular season, I think he'll be about ready. But you, you remember, it was the same thing with Tony Parker. They just threw him in the fire. Yeah. And, and the difference is they've actually given him a chance to learn behind Tony Parker. So, you know, I, I think they're, they're going to be just fine. It's crazy that we talk about, like, like Ramona had mentioned how old this makes her feel. But, like, yep. like for me, I remember I covered from the New Jersey side when Jason oh, yeah. went to visit San Antonio as a free agent. And Tony Parker had issues with it because he obviously was just really kind of coming into yeah. his own and becoming a star. And he didn't want Jason Kidd to come in and be the man at point guard. He wanted to be the man. And I'm thinking, man, that was like 14 years ago. And the, but, yeah. but it makes me feel old, but it also shows how, just how long Tony Parker has gone, how good he's been. Yeah. That that was a point in, in, you know, in everybody's lives where we were kind of like seeing Tony Parker kind of put his foot down and say, hey, man, I can be the man on this team and I can win championships. We don't need Jason Kidd. And now we're finally getting to the point where he's been supplanted as a starter. It's amazing. Right. You know, and I would not I would not write him off just yet, though. I, I, you know, Tony's that type of guy that, you know, he's I'm not going to say he has an ego, but, you know, he's been the man. He's been the man his whole career. And, you know, he's got he, he's got a little juice left and he's going to be playing, you know, for the foreseeable future with that second group with Patty Mills, mm-hmm. with Manu Ginobili. And so I, I could see some special things happening with that group of guys. And, and, and when Rudy Gay comes back, he'll be in that group. And so, you know, they're, they're, they're going to they're gonna be just fine, I think. But they're going to go through some growing pains here in the next few weeks. Well, you know, we've been talking about Manu Ginobili and how much longer he has. And I remember, did you, were you there that day, Mike, at shoot-around? Remember, I think it was, it was a shoot-around or a practice or something. And we all started asking Manu questions. Like, it was kind of obvious – you know, that they were going to lose and this could be his potentially his last game. Right. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was like, Mona was like, wait, I'm sorry. Is something happened? Did something? Yeah. Happen? I don't- <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, hey, are you trying to retire me? Yeah. He was like, cause I haven't decided anything yet. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and then sure enough, Mona comes back and, and I think it'll kind of be the same thing with, with Tony. Like, you know, they, they have meant so much to the organization and I think whatever they can give them, from a veteran leadership standpoint is enough to justify keeping open a roster spot to justify keeping them, you know, paying them whatever they need. I know last, you know, they obviously went through that with Manu a couple of years ago in free agency where, you know, Brett Brown tried to steal him away and get him to come to Philadelphia yep. as a, as a as sort of, you know, player slash coach mentor to all their young players there. And Spurs didn't allow that to happen. And, I think it'll be the same with Tony. Like, is they they just do so much for that locker room and culturally that you know they they'll play as long as they want to. Yep, I think so too. And, and Pop always talks about corporate knowledge. He, yeah, that's one of his big phrases. And you know, 
that's that's what those guys give the the younger guys and and you know the Spurs are definitely a a franchise in a transitional period mm-hmm. right now and I mean because I'm thinking about it now like how much longer are we going to have Pop around I mean that's well, we thought you know, he was going to retire two or three years ago too right I, mean, I think. You know, you go and listen to you know the Chris Paul documentary that he did this summer, right? Well, there was this one scene, and I don't think people talked about it all that much, but you know, when he he mentions the Spurs as a potential landing spot, right? And that was a big you know storyline. And he says, yeah, but the, and it, I forget if it was to Jay Z or Bob Iger, one of the two you know big names he had in this documentary. Um, and he says, yeah, but the thing with the Spurs is you don't know how long Pop's going to be there. Right. And it was like kind of chilling for me. I was like, oh wow, and, and you know. My sense with Pop is, is you know, he made commitments to free agents, right? He made commitments to Marcus. He made yep. and and Kawhi when he signed them. And I think, you know, he might be the rare coach who actually would keep going because he gave his word to those type of guys. You know, like that that might be one of the reasons he's still doing this. And then, you know, obviously with USA basketball, that that keeps. That's me what on. I was about. That's what I was about yeah. to say. I, but see, I sort of think there's a chance that 2019 could be you know, the year, and then he, he yeah. just transitions over to USA Basketball. So, yeah, and, and I'm going to hate that because as surly and mean as Pop can be, you know, at, at you know at the end of the day, he's a, he's a great dude. He really is. He's fun to talk yeah, to. Well, the big thing, though, Mike, is there's no heir apparent. Who is, the, who is that? Is it Ime Udoka at this point? Is that is that who well, everyone's thinking? Or, no, you know? like – Tori Messina is the uh, second yeah. in command. Yeah, yeah, but you know, I don't, I don't know if, if that would be the succession plan. I, I'm not sure. You know, I mean, do they try to lure back a uh, Brett Brown, or maybe can they get Steve Kerr? You know, it could happen. It, but mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the thing, the thing about the Spurs, they, that 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 coaching tree extends so far. There's a lot of possibilities there. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I think that's actually something that would be important to Pop, that, that there's a successor who's been groomed, sort of waiting the wings. Like, that, that that's a that's a part of him that, you know, most coaches wouldn't, you know, think that. But I, even even Phil Jackson, when he when he left the Lakers in 2011, like his last coaching job, he, he recommended Brian Shaw. I mean, that was that was his he saw that as his. OK, this is the guy I'm teeing up for this job. And of course, that ended up being. The reason they didn't hire Brian Shaw, <laughs> but, <laughs> but um, the uh, you know there was you know after after that season it was like Jim and Mitch just kind of scrubbed the walls of anything that had to do with Phil. It was like it was almost like he didn't work there ever and win five titles. But um, well, we we we've spoken mostly about the Spurs, which is probably more than anyone's ever spoken about the Spurs, right? I mean, they don't they don't really like all that attention, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I'm bracing for the text messages and the calls from either RC, maybe even Pop. That just means you're doing your job, Mike. That's just means right, that's, that's, right. that's a badge of honor. Cleveland. <laughs> oh, you just got back from there. I know, Mike, you've been you've seen the Cavs a little bit all year. Um, this this, you know, in, in TV, we play this game, something, nothing or everything. Um, and I feel like we do this five times a year with the Cavs. Right. You know, that, that, you know, there's a they go through a bad stretch. There's a couple of there's discontent. There's questions about a player or a coach like and it, it almost is like, we, you know, I'm almost immune to it now. But 
you know, that we still bring it up. Is is this something, nothing, or everything? I, I mean, I, I think it's I think it's something. I don't think it's everything, and I don't. I'm not worried about them yet. I mean, yes, the numbers have been worried yeah. when you see the, the, you know, the games and how they're losing and how many points they're giving up and what LeBron is saying about, you know, well, we won't go out early in the playoffs, things like that. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, look, there was going to be a growth period, uh, an adjustment period with IT. They still got to go through that. Um, you know, Tristan Thompson's coming back from injury. Uh, other teams in the East are probably feeling good about themselves, but until I see the Cavs knocked off, before the Eastern Conference Finals, I just don't think that's going to happen unless they sink further in the standings and somehow they then have to play with the Washington Wizards in the first round, which the Wizards, as bad as they can be in playing down to the level of other teams, they would get hyped to play the Cleveland Cavaliers in the first yeah. round. So, and that would, and you know, with John Wall being that fresh in the playoffs right at the beginning of the playoffs, that could become an issue, but I don't know. I think it's something. I just don't think it's everything. And I think the Cavs will eventually right the ship because they have LeBron. Exactly. And, and you know, let's. I'm, I'm, I'll keep it short here. The season don't start till after the All Star break. That's right. And, and, and so right now, I, I think. And what? If, like I would say, each of the last three years, we've heard some kind of drama going on in Cleveland. And they always find a way to make it happen once when it counts. So I'm not worried about the Cleveland Cavaliers tomorrow. I mean, at this point, as a matter of fact, I'm kind of looking forward to seeing them play the Spurs tomorrow because mm-hmm. LeBron James will get his 30,000 points yep. at some point tomorrow. Yeah, I think, you know, it's in, I remember I was actually with the Cavs last year when they were down in San Antonio. Is the game, are you in Cleveland or is it in San Antonio? Which one? Tomorrow. Oh, no, tomorrow. it's tomorrow. Tomorrow it's here in San Antonio. Okay. So last year, you remember this game, they, the Spurs beat them by 30. And that was Kawhi Leonard's, that was, Kawhi Leonard was amazing in that game, but it was also one of the low points for the Spurs, for, for the Cavs all season long. I remember oh, Kyrie yeah. had his worst plus minus game of his career. Right. He was out on the court I, afterwards shooting late at night. That was like his, remember, you know, it was like his Kobe moment where he's, okay, I had a bad game. I'm going to go out on the court and shoot forever. And then, He's sitting in the, in the locker room with his feet in an ice bucket and I see a towel over his head and there are tears coming out and LeBron's over consult. I mean, this was, this was a big game last year for the Cavs. I mean, this was like pretty close to rock bottom. And I know you it was know, a turning, all, turning point. It, I really it was, was a turning but point game. There was another little dip right after they went and lost to, they, I think they went and lost to the Chicago Bulls too, right afterwards. Um, so it wasn't like the, the, the absolute rock bottom. Rock bottom was losing the Bulls afterwards. Um, but it was, it was a that was a big moment last year, and so they, you know, the Spurs kind of they've kind of had the Cavs number over the years, right? Especially LeBron's number, like a lot of, you know, a lot of LeBron's worst moments have come at the hands of the San Antonio Spurs over the years. I know they, you know, they they played a lot of finals together. You know, the first LeBron's first finals, which weren't even close. And so it's interesting that this is the this is the spot because you know Pop's going to be asked about it pregame, and he's going to say some glowing things. I think he really appreciates LeBron, but that. Well, that uh, you know, I asked him yesterday. Mm-hmm. I asked Pop yesterday, and he's like, "Well, we played the Cavs Tuesday." So, okay, man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know, Pop's gone soft in his old age. I'm telling you, whenever, whenever one of the all like you should have heard him about Kobe coming through there on his last time through. I mean, he was oh, just yeah, waxing yeah. poetic. You know? <laughs> I, I remember that. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, he's uh, he'll he'll open up. He'll he'll you know he'll he'll say some of that stuff, and I I think. 
this this to me with the Cavs is, is is standard. Like this is what they do in the middle of the season. And you're right about that, Mike. Like season doesn't start till after the All Star break. But what I will say is, um, I I think what's shaping up is this really pivotal decision going into the trade deadline. Um, you know, Dan Gilbert said after the first decision, right after LeBron left the first time, that he the lesson that he took from that was never to let. Uh, never to to let yourself be open where you didn't have a backup plan. That let, never let a player leave for nothing. And they obviously don't have the ability to trade LeBron James. Um, he has no trade clause. You know they can't do that. But um, they they're right back in that spot where they're going to have to go all in with LeBron and leave themselves exposed to where if he even if he leaves, they would just have nothing left. Um, they're right back there. They are right back there. And the one asset they got in that Kyrie trade, the Brooklyn Nets pick, doesn't look as good anymore, right? Brooklyn's been winning and, and yeah. maybe like a number eight pick right now, I think, if, if they're sitting, you know, if we're just going by the standings. And, you know, that pick isn't as valuable as it was before. I mean, the, the pick that ended up being more valuable was the potential Lakers pick that Boston has now. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and you look at this, you look at this shaping up like, I don't know. Only Mike, do, do, do you think they go all in? Do you think they put that pick in a trade? No, oh, that's a good. That's a tough one. That's a tough mm-hmm. one. And, and you know what? I think they, they they will do what they've always done, which is go all in and, and leave themselves vulnerable. Leave themselves with with LeBron as the only asset, and then they they'll have to find a way to build around him. And that's a tough thing because when, when you're building around LeBron, a lot of the time, from what I've seen anyway, just watching the cast from afar, it seems like when you're building around him, you have to bring in guys that he approves of. Yep. <laughs> and sometimes, and sometimes those, those guys cost a premium price. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think they'll do what they've always done just because they, they haven't done anything else. I mean, I was I was just reading KP, uh, Kevin Pelton's story about what, you know, trade options for uh, Kemba Walker – and one yep. of them was basically, would you yep. offer IT and that Brooklyn Nets pick to Charlotte and maybe another piece, you know, like Channing Fry or something like that for for Kemba Walker, you know? And I, I don't know if I'm LeBron. Well, see, I might think about that. <laughs> I tell, you, see, I have a little different take on that one. I don't think you need to put the Nets pick in the trade for Kemba. I think you just need to be willing to take on one of one of Charlotte's bad contracts. Like I think if you do if you if you do IT and Channing Fry or whatever. But you're willing to take on Zeller's contract or Kid Gilchrist's contract or somebody else like that. I think you could probably do that without putting the pick in there. Maybe you have to put your pick and maybe Cleveland has to put their first round pick in and not that Brooklyn pick. Yeah. But that to me is that that's that's the hot one. That's that, that's the trade that, you know, I, I actually like that trade better than I like a DeAndre Jordan trade, better than I like a Marcus Saul trade. Better yeah. than, you know, because. I think it's probably going to take the Brooklyn pick to do the DeAndre trade. I think, what? and and that's a big risk for a guy who is going to be a free agent this year. Marcus has right. got what two years left on his deal, but Marcus it plays a very different style, and it would yeah. change the way Cleveland plays. You'd have to play slow now. I mean, think um, about it. if if LeBron does leave and you you still have Kemba Walker, that probably yeah. sounds a little more appetizing to the Cavs than having it moving forward, just because of it's history with injuries. You just don't know how good IT is going to be moving forward for the rest of his career. Kemba Walker, you know, he's still going to move up. Yeah. Well, yeah, but you you know that that year two, year two, when you're coming back from an injury like IT had, that year two is is when you're back to normal. Yeah. You, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, that's a tough one to 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 project. And you know, 
you you you'd be kicking yourself if you moved him and then he got back to being IT. Yeah. So I, I have heard that there is a will that the Cavs are willing to part with that Brooklyn pick, but it, it doesn't mean that they have put it in in any kind of offer for DeAndre or anybody else. And I think we may be in a situation where they're valuing that pick as highly as they did at the beginning of the season, whereas other teams, one, know that that's the Cavs' best asset, so they're always going to ask for that. Um, but two, you know, other teams look at it now and go, yeah, it's the eight pick. It's not, it's not the Laker pick, right? Like right now the Laker pick is, a, is probably a better pick, right? Um, and you don't have that. Like, you, you know, it's, it reminds me a little of a couple of years, you know, in the, during the Chris Paul trade 2011, one of the best assets the Clippers had to give up is they owned the rights to the Minnesota pick, right? And Minnesota had been horrible at the time. So everybody thought it would be a top three, top five pick. Well, things played out and that pick, and, you know, that pick was included in the deal for Chris Paul. That was like one of the big, big assets that the Clippers had to put in that the Lakers didn't, right? And that pick ended up being, turning into Austin Rivers, right? That's who New Orleans ended up selecting with that pick, right? <laughs> and, you know, the Minnesota ended up being a little better than people thought. I think it was, it wasn't Austin the 12th pick or something. It was somewhere in that 10th, 10th pick. 10th, 10th pick. I mean, it was not, it, it was not a top three, top five pick. And so, you know, it's it's sort of like a car when you drive it off the lot, you know, it loses its value. Appreciates, like, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think Cleveland, you know, just a little unlucky here that Brooklyn has turned out to be better and and, and winning more games. Um, but but that that's that's the big thing, and I think there may be a way to hold on to it. But then now you look at it and go, okay, if, if, if we don't go all in, if we don't put that pick in, if we don't find a trade, if we don't find something to – to help keep LeBron here, how do we face ourselves if he leaves? If we know that, you know, we didn't do everything we could to keep him and you just get right back into that. You know, what are you made of? What's, what's in your, who, what kind of person are you? And I, you know, Dan Gilbert's a gambler, man. He's a, he's a guy who pushes all in on everything. And so, right. I know. Let's, That's I, what they'll I, do I, what they've always done. Exactly. They will. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I, you know, the Lakers are at that same spot. Is there a chance that they end up with nothing? They end up, they don't get LeBron. They don't get Paul George. They don't do, and then you're sitting back kicking yourself for not making that trade over the summer or not making those moves over the summer. It's, it's going to be fascinating to watch, but it's, uh, you know. Let them leave. Let them leave and write another letter. (laughs) (laughs) In in Comic Sans? Yeah, I'm ready to read it. (laughs) All right. On that note, boys, I think we've talked enough. NBA dysfunction. I think I've heard more about the Spurs in the last hour than I have I apologize. in the last 10 years. It's great. No, I love the Spurs. I think it's great. Oh, Michael Wright, thanks for joining us. And uh, we'll send it back to you, Han. Edit that up. Make it sound good. Yep. All right. Now that we're done, Mike, uh, what's the real dirt? Let's, let's get it all. <laughs> <laughs>